cleverly, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is uh, Monday, the 5th of April, 2021, and it is time, ladies and gents, diggity donks, cucks, and uh, I don't know what else, but it's time for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. Let's bang. Uh, the, <laughs> the gentleman on the other side of the screen, he is uh, vaccinated, uh, not housebroken, but a wonderful man just the same. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hi, hi, Luke. Thank you. Thank you for that rousing inter- introduction <laughs> right there. Yes, I have taken one half of the of the recommended amount of Pfizer inside my uh, my blood system at this moment, Luke. So I slept a lot. It was a little uh, little crank, little cranky and uh, <clears throat> nauseous, but we got through it, Luke. So uh, COVID, um, don't be knocking on my door anymore. All right. BC, let me ask you a question. How come when we go on the road and we drink and we eat poorly? We come back feeling exhausted, and then when we go on the road and we don't drink at all and we get more sleep, we also come back raggedy. It makes no difference how we come back. I don't understand that. Yeah, I hear you. It it makes no difference, Luke. Just keep coming, all right? Just keep on coming. That's what we're we're trying to do here. I mean, you know, that is our mission statement, right? Brian Woody. What's Woody's last name, the guy whose bit you stole this from? Uh, Woody from Page. around the horn. Yeah. Huh? Yes. It's a uh, Woody Page from uh, Woody first, Page. It's from Brian a Woody Page Campbell. Yes. Yes. Uh, Brian, we got a lot to get to today. We did do a post fight show last week for the first fight for Bellator on Showtime, Bellator 255. You can go check that out. Um, but uh, we are going to get to some of that still today a little bit. But of course, we got a lot of UFC news to get to. We got some boxing retirements we have to get to. Your questions. Have you seen this shit? We have a lot to get to, BC. Look, right? you could argue so, that, that that Bellator post-show Friday was a rousing success. In, in fact, uh, the word on the street is people loving the more serious tone they got out of late night BC right there. So, I don't know, Luke. You know, uh, maybe... Uh, maybe I've been right about what you should be doing this whole time. Yes, it's funny you know, how maybe, you come around Maybe I that. should drop, drop the whole bit where, you know, you try to bring fun and sunshine to people's days and just hit them with, you know, aggressively boring MMA takes. So let's see what we got, you know? That's right. Well, we are capable of nothing if not aggressively boring MMA takes. But hopefully the show will be a little bit better than that. First things first, thumbs up on the video, hit the subscribe button and that notification bell. If you like this sort of show, there's a lot more of it coming every single week. So to get more of what you enjoy, hit that subscribe button. Yes? Okay, very good. Uh, Let's see. If you want to follow us on social, you can see all the stuff there on the lower third. You want to give Showtime a try. Why not? Go to Showtime.com and get a 30-day free trial. If you're ready to take the plunge, you can go to Show.com slash Bellator MMA, and for the first six months, it's just five bucks basically each month. I never understand the pricing structures on anything. $4.99? Why can't it just be five? Just make it five. $4.99, Four ninety nine. Feel, it feels better. It feels cheaper. It feels safer, Luke. You know. I guess. I guess there must be a market researcher on this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, in any case, five bucks. Four ninety nine doesn't matter. Still a deal. So <coughs> I was going to say, Luke. Uh, you didn't. You didn't recommend the people go check out uh, our latest creation from uh, the only night that we did drink. It was uh, yeah. uh, room oh, service you. I didn't diaries. Drink. Room I did not diaries. drink. Yes, there was room service diaries. Well, could, I did and, see uh, you at dinner. You did raise a glass of something at dinner, Luke. That's right. right. Yes, I had. I think two, maybe three 
old fashions, but that was it. I mean, and you, I didn't get drunk. You, or you lying old bitch. Okay, <laughs> I was there. Oh no, right? no, no, but that night, but that night we recorded this. Oh, I guess I had had some. Yeah, that's why I was so tired. Um, but in any case, in, I didn't get drunk one time, and I still took all my Nyquil and melatonin. Uh, what are we? What are we forgetting here, BC? Anything else to, uh, to people remind can folks? Still to view plug? that 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 inside look at the future of our. Uh, of our unemployment <laughs> really is where, where it was going but a, a nice little rousing success just the same luckily luke you edited out all of your bad jokes and left me hanging with the uh with the uh schindler's list thing that's great thanks thank you thank you very much yeah, yeah. for folks who don't understand how bc works this is a bit he does called lying so we wanted to take it out and we didn't and then we showed it to him and he actually demanded that we leave it in, and we showed it to other members of the crew, demand. and they also thought it was a good idea to leave in. So when BC comes on the show and says things like this, I want you all to know, and follow me here, he's lying. Okay? <laughs> I mean, you know, okay. Yeah. I mean, you did edit out a few dark areas all, all pointing toward you, okay? <laughs> yes, I did edit out a few dark areas for me, but you know, I'm also the one who filmed it and hauled the camera equipment, so... To the victor goes the spoils. If you would like to edit it next time, you certainly may. What, what, when that trap you said ends in deployment for me, Luke, I hope hopefully you get blessed with a Canadian. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get to it. Topic number one here on the show. It was the one thing we did not get to last week um, by virtue of the timing and everything. So let's get to it now. The Ultimate Fighter is back. And... It's not just that the Ultimate Fighter is back because you kind of knew that, but now we have coaches. We have Brian Ortega and we have Alexander Volkanovsky. So for topic number one, we know who the coaches are for the next season of the Ultimate Fighter. There you can see, oh, you know what? I jumped the ship. That's why it took so long because I botched it. We're still going to start here, BC, because fuck it, it's too late to back up now. All right. You can't blame this on Jay. This is a No, I can't. Error. You know what it was? I had the old rundown in front of me, not the updated one. So that's on me. I'll take the L. There you go. Dead wrong. Sorry, Corey. I fucked that up. Here we go. We're already pot committed, though, BC, so let's get to it. In fact, we did not get to it last week. Your reaction to Volkanovsky and Ortega, A, being the next coaches for the Ultimate Fighter, and then B, what this does to the fight which is push it back anywhere between five to six, maybe more months. I feel like this was the wrong move to, for UFC. I'm not, and I'm not here to necessarily, you know, criticize because I don't hold tough, dear to my heart, any as many as much these days as anybody else. You know, what I mean, we all have our favorite memories in the past, but no one's like itching for this series to come back per se. So to me, this feels like a a safe, mild choice. In fact, I don't necessarily understand the choice of coaches in this case unless your sole focus was uh, to try to establish Brian Ortega as the next big star. I think it would be a no-brainer, Luke, if we're going down the road, and I know there's still negotiations and stuff that needs to happen, but if we are on our way to Francis Ngannou, John Jones, and you want that thing to frickin' bang... Uh, the best possible promotional vehicle in this space would be the return of Tough through the ESPN machine with those two heavyweights as coaches. That's just me talking, Luke. Uh, you know, I'm not hired as a uh, promoter or marketer uh, of any form, really, beyond my own shitty humor. Uh, and maybe this sweatshirt, which could be on sale in the future. We're not really sure about that yet. So uh, beyond that, Luke, I just don't I don't get this move. You know what I mean? It doesn't suck. I, I, I'd, I'd watch it. I'd, I, you know, I'd give it a try. But this ain't sexy, Luke. You want Ngannou to Jones to go to 2 million pay-per-view buys? Do you care about that, that anymore, UFC? Or does that mean you have to pay John more if it does? Because that's the right vehicle for this, Luke. 
I don't know what the right answer is other than I wish the Ultimate Fighter wasn't really here. I mean, the, the problem is complicated because in this pandemic, regional MMA is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's not producing the amount of talent that it otherwise could. It's It's got back together a little bit, and maybe that will improve substantially here in the summer and then the fall or in the winter for 2021, I certainly hope. But as it stands, in terms of what it has been, it has not been a lot. And so you pull back in this machine, the Ultimate Fighter, where you can pluck fighters, maybe in even two different weight classes, depending how you want to structure it, and you can pull them off the regional scene, you can have them on the show, you can fight, you can give contracts, whatever you want to or not. It sort of serves a function that they didn't necessarily need when they just had the Contender Series and a normally functioning regional MMA apparatus. But that's just not the situation that they have. So I understand why they brought it back. But it's just so inconvenient. Look, it doesn't really impact me in like any other way because I'm not going to watch the show. I'd, I'd watch the fights probably, but I would not really watch the show if it's on ESPN+. Plus. But it's not hurting anybody. It's not like no one's forcing me to watch it. It's fine. You want to watch it? Watch it. If you don't, don't. The part where it gets kind of interesting is where you take the coaches and then you delay them. And to your point... It's like, dude, there are so many other ways for this thing to go sometimes, which I know it's probably not easy. They wanted a welterweight series of coaches. For whatever reason, that didn't work. God only knows. And they ended up with this one because of the COVID delay. So I appreciate how nimble the UFC can be with these things. I understand why they're bringing tough back. But it just feels like it, there are ways in which they could execute on some of their business strategies in conjunction with their goals, BC, without having... It'd be this difficult. Um, well, where, and it's gonna, to your point, Francis and Jones is such an easier call here. Well, this is going to delay a, a division's title picture. Unfortunately, that doesn't need to. I mean, I want to find out if Max Holloway really is still the best featherweight in the world. I saw him beat Volkanovski in their second fight, but it didn't go his way. He's only looked insanely great since then. Look, I got to see this English-speaking Zabit uh, prove to everyone that he is the future champion in this division that I once read uh, written on tattoo on the back of Kevin Lee's head as a foreshadowing prophetic message, Luke. I'm telling you, those are my two guys for the future. But you get what I'm saying here. Um... I don't want to see this picture tied up. And can you give me any other reason beyond the, I don't know if this negotiation period with John will, will actually happen. Uh, excuse for that, for the reason for heavyweights not to be here in this spot. That they, I because, mean, you know, it is Francis what it always is. They don't, want, they don't want to, yeah, they don't want to change their business in a way to accommodate them. Um, that's, that's sort of where we just keep coming back to. It's where it's the, you know, listen, the, the, Certain ways in which the industry is organized make a lot of consumer demand possible. But because one of the downsides, honestly, of having that much consumer demand met is that when they don't meet it, sometimes they can take weird positions on why they're not meeting it. But because everything else is so great, there's just no overall pushback. It's not a decline in the product. It's just a certain decline in, in potential opportunities while the rest of the product thrives. So, you know, we're sitting here bitching about it. I mean, I guess we're still going to get the fight. Maybe there'll be some good fights on the show. It's just, Jesus, we almost had this fight at UFC 260. They got COVID. That sucked. Uh, in fact, Volkanovski said it was really bad. And now we're not going to get to what, December? It's like, oh, God. Like, what an impediment to so, the normal functioning and operation of a business. It's, this feels like a haphazard decision in an area where UFC rarely ever misses, you know, if at all. So is this more centered upon Ortega's star? future and potential do they look at him when they look at the group of you know we're always like who's going to be the next connor it's been this you know 
casual pay-per-view, you know, debate thing. Uh, Any time a, a big star hits a mountaintop and then slides a little bit, you're like, who's the next pay-per-view star? And remember for a while we thought, oh, you know, really could be Cody Garbrandt. Then he suffered some losses. And now we're like, well, it really could be Adesanya. But, you know, he did just have a minor hiccup there uh, at, at light heavyweight. So do you think they look at Ortega as a potential legitimate pay-per-view headliner? And that's why this decision was, was made? Because they don't do anything haphazardly, Luke. Yeah, I, I tend to think there might be something at play with also Volkanovski, where uh, he's a very good champion. I suspect he'll beat Ortega again. Who knows? I'm just saying. Yeah, like, you, you don't, you, dude, a, dude. You don't know that. Okay, don't don't see. I don't know that. Ass, that's right? why I say I suspect. I didn't say he will. It's a big difference. Uh, that's my hunch anyway. And I, they're probably dealing with. They're at least dealing with a scenario, BC, where they have to recognize there is a possible future where this guy from Australia is going to be in this role as champion for a considerable amount of time. That's and fair. so to what extent do you want to back him? Sometimes in the Ultimate Fighter, they use it to capture a huge audience in a way where they don't need to build someone up, but they if they put him in that role, it'll garner a lot of attention, like a Kimbo Slice. He didn't need to be in the Ultimate Fighter, but they put him there. And then there's situations where like somebody needs a boost um, that the Ultimate Fighter has to raise their stock whatever possible that is, I, I tend to think Volkanovski might fall into that. Not Ortega, although this rivalry and selling this probably would be good down the line for him and for um, his future I don't as know. well. So like, I think they're know, probably trying to do a little bit of that. They've never really had that 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 Mexican-American fan base on lockdown. Maybe they see Ortega as that guy who went away, came back. He only improved. He's got star power they haven't tapped into yet. You know, he's got the model looks. He's was real weird in that interview with me a couple weeks ago. Uh, maybe, maybe he's the dude now, Luke. Okay, we'll find out when that fight so happens. So you don't think they're thinking about Volkanovski? Like, they're no. like, uh, he might be champion. Like, with Kamaru. It's like, you're looking at Kamaru, and you're like, well, you never know. Fight over fight. You get knocked out at any moment, but you also would be foolish as a promoter to not look at this and say, uh, he might be here doing this for a while. Nah, nah, Luke. They saw Max beat him the second time. The UFC loves Max. And on top of that, Luke, it's uh, you, got, you got a lot of balls. Uh, refusing to do any form of predictions, but a city cockboxing guy jumps in here. You're like, yeah, I mean, he's probably going to beat Ortega. I mean, that's a, you, know, you, got, you got a lot of balls trying to slip that past. It's us, not a Luke. prediction. I'll start my own Reddit page to uh, to to decode you to the to the public. I don't right? know why this is hard for you. This is not a prediction. So it's a, a, like an inclination is not me making a declaration. You understand that, right? You know, I, I choose to understand what I understand, Luke. Okay, you call it ignorance, all right? I call it uh, decipherance. Okay, decipherance. Yes, that is what it, it's a great name yes. of a band. Decipherance. Yes. All right, yes. let's go now back in time where we're supposed to do topic number one in the first position, which I amazingly got that wrong. But let's try it again one more time. All right, so reports are out that Dustin Poirier, BC, has in fact signed the paperwork to fight one Conor McGregor a third time. On top of that, while we don't have any evidence that, or I think any reports that McGregor has signed the deal, what we do have is him saying that, uh, or reports rather, that uh, he has agreed in principle. Uh, ESPN reporting that he has agreed in principle um, to now take this challenge on. July 10th is when they're targeting. All right, let's sort of circle back to this contest now, if we can. Hearing this news... Do you have any different reaction? What are you thinking about as we inch closer to that pretty monumental trilogy? 
Uh, you know, sort of inspired. I saw, you know, uh, Brett Okamoto of ESPN, a guy who we like, just put out one of those columns that that asked a very interesting question. You know, uh, and it got me, it got spurred my thinking of what's really at stake for both guys. It's something I didn't necessarily focus on because the whole build to this fight happening was more of a debate of whether you know Poirier should already be the champion, should McGregor be back in the spot, why are we doing this one as a non-title, all that. But in terms of what it actually means, I mean, the angle Brett took was that. You know, in some ways, this is McGregor's last chance to save himself, and I, you know, on, on the on the super elite path that he had been on for a long time. And and Luke, I I kind of want to sit in that for a second. I, I, to be honest, I wrote that same column in 2016 after Connor was upset by Nate Diaz, sort of saying, "Look, he's got one way to fix this problem completely, and that's run it back, same weight class, same guy, and beat him, and sort of double down on his future." At that point, you know, was he going to break loose and be this truly global superstar, which he obviously became? And you know, he kind of did exactly that. And but there were different stakes for Connor then. Now we've seen him lose a few times. Now you know he's sort of getting this opportunity right now that. You know, no one's calling for this trilogy, right? Like, we don't, we're, we're not going to hate on this fight. We love this fight in theory, like in reality, right? It's sort of like, you know, Luke, she's not Latina, but, you know, <laughs> you still like pizza, bro, right? You know, you still you, you still like to eat at the end of the day, right? I mean, we, we love this fight, Luke. Make no mistake about it. This fight fucking bangs, okay? But no one asked for it. Nobody really needs it. So, Luke, do you really feel that Connor's almost in that same thing that Brett's trying to outline? That if he loses here, it is... It's what? Celebrity cash-in the rest of the way? I mean, is this the last chance at uh, true elite superiority? The guy he was in 2016 that never came back? Is this the last chance to produce him, Luke? I, I mean, I haven't read the column, so I'm only reacting to um, your, your uh, recitation. Yeah, I didn't really it, but... read it either, okay? I love you, Brett. I just skimmed <laughs> it, okay? I'm just taking themes, all right, Luke? No, 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 but I was thinking about this because years ago, I wrote a column for SureDog. I think it was called, like like the Kimbo Slice bubble or something like that. And I had argued it was either before the, Pe- or well, it was supposed to be the Shamrock fight, or it was like right after the Petrozelli fight, which, whichever way it was, that, you know, the interesting part about promoting Kimbo was that it was done on this illusion. This is before I'd come around to him, that it was done on this illusion that this guy is a lot better than he is. Well, what happens when he loses? Folks will know the jig is up. And the reality was that was never really Kimbo's appeal. Yeah, there was a little bit, how good is he? Okay. And then once you realized he wasn't that good, it never became about, hey, how good is Kimbo Slice? It just became about, let's cheer for Kimbo Slice. We like Kimbo Slice. Kimbo Slice is a likable person for all these different demos. And so, yes, they wanted, it was, I want to be clear about something. Winning more than losing was pretty important, and winning in big moments still carried significant value. It's not that if Conor McGregor lost, there wouldn't be you know, significant drop-off in interest or blowback or some kind of larger reckoning, BC. But here's what you got to remember about some of these folks. Dude, Conor McGregor is now a celebrity to people and an adored figure, whether you like it or not, for reasons that just go far beyond fighting at this point. It would potentially, yes, I think take him off that super elite track. I, think, I do think there's something to be said for that. But um, Connor is going to remain a popular figure, I won't say as long as he wants to, but much longer than his losses will drag him down. So you're saying it may not necessarily be as dark as post-bite Mike Tyson's run, where it was just like fiasco, carnival, come see the old name, dance around and maybe bite somebody. But what you're also saying is, uh, you know, you can't be a virgin over again, like that guy's not coming back anyway. 
And right. uh, win or lose from now on, he's kind of the same guy. We've seen him lose already a few times. He's kind of who he is. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. There's some sadness in that, Luke. I don't mean to romanticize the McGregor era, but uh, um, I like to believe that he can keep it alive with a win on Saturday and get back into a title picture that he doesn't necessarily deserve to be in. So, I mean, there is huge stakes in this regard. I, maybe I just don't want to believe that it's really over, Luke. Maybe that's maybe that's what this is all about. It okay? may not be. It, we, it may not be. We don't have a definitive answer to this, but I do feel like I mean, you got to just the the way to understand is you have to just have an appreciation for the seriousness, but some of the limits of a loss in MMA, especially for an A list talent. The loss does make matchmaking for him harder, BC, because if he's at the top of the division, you can just go any number of ways. And because he's popular, he'll have a lot of flexibility relative to somebody else, but it does narrow some of those choices a little bit. I mean, it would reduce potentially some of the upside of what he could do on pay-per-view. I mean, there are some consequences to it, but the idea that like, um, and again, I'm not saying Brett argued this, but I'm just saying the idea that if anyone believes a loss to Poirier here would just, you know, um, pull the plug out of, not the plug, but the, the stopper at the end of the, the bathtub and all the water drains. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, Brett, don't throw the baby out with the damn bathwater, you a-hole. Yeah, Brett. If that's what you said in that column, I didn't read it. Uh, but no, Luke, um, <laughs> do you think, you know, I don't know, there, there's there's a lot, maybe there's also, a lot BC, more interesting BC, things let me to spin think it back about. To you. Let, me, let me spin it back to you, BC, because you said something that caught my interest. You said it was sad. You said it was sad about McGregor that, like, it could very well be that that amazing thing he did was just a moment in time and it's over. Why is that sad? Isn't that just the way life works? It is, it, and it's also the the uh, the you know the the vicious cycle, the 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 food uh, the food chain of MMA. No doubt about that. Um, I don't say sad from the standpoint, Luke, of being a McGregor super fan or wanting and believing like a child crossing their fingers that he's going to come back and win a championship like that doesn't really matter to me it's more for having been uh part of something that that was a special historic insane era in this sports history and having been there at a very close level you know front row media backstage hold microphones that type of thing having really been you know writing opinion pieces this whole way and feeling like i've sort of lived this fun era the idea that it could be potentially over from the energy and the fun that it brought because of one guy and having enjoyed, you know, looking at an artist, right? Having enjoyed the the canvas that McGregor has largely painted with fun and interest. The idea that we could end, the idea, not that that could be gone in some selfish way is sad. No, more for the old, whole idea, Luke, of what's the tail end going to look like? I mean, um, very few combat athletes die with dignity, so to speak, in terms of the end of their career. You know, more often than not, we'll see a great one like Chuck Liddell need to be dragged out. Or we'll see, you know, I mean, look, one thing Anderson Silva has been able to avoid, Luke, is is looking too sad, right? I mean, he's had some injuries. He's had a lot of losses in a row. But he's never looked truly sad because he's always been able to l raise his game to a certain level of competence that you're sort of like, okay, all right. Is the end is is the McGregor end? Whether that's next year or whether that's five, six, seven years from now, is that going to look really sad to you? What, what, what do, you, do you do? You think he's one of those guys that they're going to have to drag out after multiple knockouts? I mean, it, it, it really depends how long he goes. I mean, even with Tyron Woodley, you're like, oh, he lost to someone who had never contended for a title with Vicente Luque, but like Luque is still really good. What I don't want to see is I don't want to see McGregor lose to a guy he like obviously would have dusted 
in his prime. You know what I mean? Like you lose to Poirier, okay, Poirier's <laughs> he's real good. Like that's fine. You know, it's no big deal. Um, is he going to let it again? And we don't. You're saying he might if go he, there. He, he might go there. I want to be clear before people get honest about it. He might go out there and viciously KO Poirier in the third fight. I'm just Poirier, pointing yeah. if. To what extent is he going to manage decline? I don't know. Yeah, like if they stick him with Mickey Gall as a get well fight and he gets knocked out, we're in bad territory, Luke. <laughs> yes. Yes. If it gets that far, if, maybe <laughs> you do just open up the, 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 the what's it called? The drain stopper. Jesus yes. Christ. The, Mike Perry is dancing on his grave and Ocean is just rocking out as the uh, the secondary, the second chief second support in the corner. Uh, that's going to be a sad moment for the McGregor house, Luke. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so we we identified what's at stake for Connor. Are we not hitting at all what's at stake for Poirier beyond the, the, the big subhead that we did hit when this fight was talked about, about the idea of him essentially turning down a chance at the title in order to cash in on the, the fame, history, and money at stake in this one, Luke? Uh, what, what's really, truly in, in Dustin's mind right now in your eyes? I think he just realizes that the you can't, you can't, uh, you know, it's good that they're ringing doorbells here in my house and letting the dogs bark. And I love That's that. Barbus, I that, want to tell old... you that I really, really, really like it when my family does that. Um, I just tend to think if you're Dustin Poirier, how do you look at a situation and go, yeah, we'll turn down this Conor McGregor fight. Again, I don't think it's an either or. I don't think they thought of it like, oh, um, there's nothing to this situation with... Uh, the belt. I don't need the belt. I think they wanted the belt. I think they wanted the belt in that first fight. I think they wanted the belt in the second fight. They just couldn't get to a position where that was on the line. And so they had to make a choice. Okay, you can go and fight for the belt against whoever was Chandler or whatever. Or you can fight McGregor again in a trilogy. I think he just felt like when stories are written about guys, they're going to write about the guy who beat Conor McGregor twice in a trilogy, even if there was no title, versus beating Michael Chandler or Charles Oliveira to get the title. That's debatable, but I think that was probably what was going through his mind. Well, let me ask you this. This will decide if this was the right choice. When his, if, 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 poor, if Poirier never fought again after today, let's say he just retired, would history remember as his biggest win the interim title win over Max or the knockout of, of Conor McGregor in their second Connor. Connor. Then, then that means, Luke, that that in a lot of ways, this is almost like the biggest fight of of uh, Dustin's career twice in a row. Like, so you made the right choice, then you know, in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah, I mean, I can un- listen. Can you understand it? Yeah, you can understand it. I can understand why someone would go a different direction too. But it's hardly like mystifying that Poirier would find a third fight with McGregor advantageous to his career. You know, would he um, would he face the winner of Chandler Oliveira? Poirier, no question. I mean, if it's not them, who would it be? All right. You know what I mean? Like, is it Dustin? Or, sorry, is it Nate? Nate's fighting at 170. Um, so, I, don't, I mean, that's funny, you know? Would Poirier take that Diaz fight, that Alpha Connor win? That'd be kind of funny if he did, you know? I wonder about that. But I, t- I doubt it. I doubt it. Okay. Um, let's... let's uh, Go back a little bit, BC. Let's go to topic number three here. We talked a lot about the first Bellator show on Showtime. That's Bellator 255. Um, The winner of the main event, Patricio Pitbull. So now Bellator has a very interesting situation that they're currently in. They have the best fighter in their history taking on this upstart, undefeated phenom who has had his entire career in that organization. BC, if they 
Here's what I think a central challenge Bellator has. Bellator has to convince the average UFC fan that they are also worth watching. Notice I said average UFC fan. Because UFC puts out 40-plus events a year, not counting contender series. They've got all their stuff online. You can go peruse it on Fight Pass or ESPN Plus or whatever. Like, if you're a UFC fan, a lot of your MMA needs are met. This, as a fan, this experience, it wasn't even possible to see a UFC 100 in July of 2009. You couldn't even do this kind of a thing that you can do now. So Bellator has a real task about how do we position our offerings in a way to get those kinds of fans to pay attention. How do you sell AJ McKee versus Pitbull? There's one way. Unabashedly as the 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 matchup that will determine the best 145 pound fighter in the world. And even if you demonstrably disagree with that or even if you're scott coker and you don't necessarily believe that i mean look it's not like the ufc is having a a down run at featherweight at the moment we just talked about that in fact it's overloaded it's one of the best divisions in the sport but i I think you have that opportunity to make that kind of argument if just even from a marketing standpoint it's not insanely far off at worst i mean look pitbull is legitimately one of the five best pound fighters in the world right now and mckee with the uh, the potential he's shown from the quick, you know, sensational victories to the fact that, you know, he's second generation, all this great stuff we say about him. He's already set so many records. If he beats Pitbull here, I mean, you know, th- that's a leap right there. That is a monster leap. So uh, the fact that these two will probably meet again for the lightweight championship, if you listen to their uh, interviews closely, I think you really sell just how talented these guys are and how much this is a pound-for-pound type level fight. And the royalty around this fight, the $1 million, the fact that the title's at stake, uh, all that's just dressing on it. And you hope that uh, not only do we get a classic, but we see these guys fight each other many times. I mean, you know, we've heard AJ say he'd follow Pitbull up to heavyweight if it meant, you know, doing that. He just wants to beat this guy. So uh, I, I think there's a nice window here, Luke, based upon some of the things you said, where if you are a UFC fan... And you never really give Bellator a full swing. And maybe you watched 255 and you were like, I saw some I really loved. I saw some things I didn't love. But at the very least, they saw a star in Pitbull. A, a very, like a breakout, absolute, legit sensation. Uh, I would play up that whole thing about him being potentially, you know, closing in on being the best in the world as a major ploy in hook hair. Not even a ploy, yeah. a major, you know. You know, yeah, yeah, that's it. Is this a bit like a Stipe versus DC kind of fight? Here's what I mean by that. If Pitbull wins, you could do this beforehand, but certainly afterwards, if Pitbull wins, you can say he's the best 145er on earth. Okay, you can, you can, you can, I mean, again, people can reasonably, people can disagree, but you can at least make the claim. And that if McKee beats that guy, oh, well, that was the best guy at 145 in the world. And so McKee, by beating him, becomes that. Is that the argument for McKee? Because as good as McKee is and as huge as a win over Pitbull might be, there's still that body of work that he doesn't have, although Pitbull would be a nice you know, scalp on the resume. Well, I mean, you could really get behind the idea that McKee has a chance to become everything for Bellator that Aaron Pico hasn't yet. Still could, maybe. Still going to be a really good fighter, I believe. But Aaron Pico never became that, we have the phenom. We have the next big thing in the sport right here. AJ McKay, McKee, in some ways, almost like stumbled into that, Luke. You know, like he's just put it together at the right time, peaking at this tournament that 
I think part of that marketing of the whole idea of, you know, this is a pound for pound fight and could the winner be the best featherweight in the world? I mean, how about sprinkling a little bit more uh, hyperbole on there and saying if McKee beats Pitbull and he's the champion and he's unbeaten and he's got all of our records for consecutive wins and he just beat the face of our franchise, like, look again, believe it or not, this guy's got like Tiger Woods type feeling in this sport. This guy's a phenom. He's a natural. Look at him. I mean, that's the way to to really uh, frame this and caption this, Luke. And and as much as even that felt like a stretch to say, I don't necessarily believe he's you know a Tiger Woods of this sport. But good God, if he beats friggin' Pitbull, Luke. I mean, this guy's moving. He's mo- He's coming. Okay, like MK. Luke, he's, he he's is coming. like he is like MK. Only he's undefeated. No, but he's uh, coming. He's really coming. <laughs> And you and I are more like journeymen who have taken incredible L's over the course of our careers, but are having a late career resurgence. We're more like Jan Blahovich than we would like to admit. You know what I mean? Or you could say that, Luke, or really is our broadcasting prime, you know, 42 to 55 age-wise. I, I think we are, we're on, we're on a good pace right now. We're about to take over the world, Luke. I don't know if you've been watching our numbers closely, our, our, you know, mass critical appeal, how amazing our fans are, uh, yeah, we we ain't no Jan Blahowitz, okay? Even though I respect that guy, all right? Uh, yeah, I, I think your I, I think your argument is correct, and there's other ways to frame. Where's the this, beat? Uh, we are the the Zabit of of uh, of MMA talk. Yeah, so. I'm not so sure we want to be that just yet. <laughs> Let's wait and see how how, how uh, fair and appropriate that analogy is. But BC, in all seriousness, this is the point I think you're trying to make, which is, look, man. Yes, I'd prefer it if promoters tell the truth, but they don't really have an obligation to. Um, and it's not really what they do. What is the promotional downside to saying that the best, the winner here is the best 145? Like, what, what is the cost to doing that? It'll, okay, you know, promoters' stock will, you know, oh, people will find them untrustworthy. Yeah, so what? They, t- they tend to do that no matter what, and it stirs debate. You can go a little bit overboard by being like, oh, we were being watched by. 75 trillion people just in China like one championship has done but I do think that trying to force arguments into the framing of a fight is actually a pretty important thing to do yeah you're damn right and you can go too far you can waste too many bullets but even a Bob Arum who is no stranger of top rank boxing Luke to lay it on thick I at least respect that he picks it, he picks his bullets. He chooses them wisely. Yeah, he'll tell you, man, Lomachenko, I haven't seen a spirit like that since Ali. And at first you're like, oh, come on. What, what are we doing here? Well, Lomachenko turned out pretty good. Bud Crawford turned out pretty Jose Cito turned out pretty good. Or, you know, not Jose Cito, Teofimo, excuse me. So you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I was like, there, Jose Cito uh, Lopez. Jose what? Cito, yeah, a good run. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you, you get what I'm saying there. But uh, I don't think you're pissing people off or offending them. I think you're bringing eyeballs in. And again, I think, it, you know, Pipple was the right main eventer to open the Bellator on Showtime era, and he delivered. And this fight is going to be the best advertisement you could think of, Luke, for the you know, the future health of this uh, of this promotion. Obviously, Rumble Romero is its own special kind of wild card firecracker that we all need to see, but Pitbull McKee is, yeah, that's as good as it gets, Luke. That's as, uh, yeah, come on. Yeah. Also, I think folks are Track forgetting, like, I think, like, PFL has grown a little bit in popularity in terms of a certain kind of fighter, like an Anthony Pettis, you know, late stage. He's still got a little bit of fighting left on. You know, let's see if you can make it work by just taking a short amount of fights to a million-dollar check. The yeah. winner here gets that as well. It's sort of like an easy way to borrow from some of the PFL's uh, fighter appeal while still having a matchmaking kind of model a little bit because um, you, obviously you can, you can set the tournament. So 
There you go. Look, uh, I just quickly. had a vision. I just had a vision. You want? Can I you share did. With you? Yeah, it's go Unrelated ahead. to this topic, but remember how awkward it was at the UFC card a couple weeks ago in Vegas when they scanned the celebrity section of the crowd and it was like t- Paul Anka's old ass in the corner and like all these young people that you and I are too old to connect with. Remember that? Yeah. And we're like, what? Yeah, you know. but like honestly, Chet Hanks, you know. Sensei Seagal wasn't available. I mean, you know. Yeah. Chet you know, Hanks he, is not cooler than us. I don't care what anybody says. I hope when, when you and I one day take this show on the road and do like a live show for something big, Luke. Remember, imagine if it's like, you know, Connor versus Habib 2 fight week and MK's got you covered with a live show from Las Vegas, you know? And we had our own celebrity section of celebrities that have outed themselves to us as huge MK fans. That That bullpen... That's that's going to start. That's filling up Luke with 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 some pretty awesome people. I know we got to make a a seat for Co- George Corpse Grinder and his kids in the back of it. But uh, can we welcome Portugal the man to the MK uh, to Super Fan Club? Uh, that you know they could be they could be rocking out with us there. You're very family. happy about Portugal the man reaching out to you. Oh yeah, come on, come on, come on. There, there's moments like that, Luke. Okay, these we live. Cool. I right, live cool. my it's life cool. for moments. All right. Real quickly, real quickly before we leave the Bellator topic, Bellator announced UFC. Sorry, Bellator two fifty nine which will be May 21st, is going to be the rematch between Cyborg at 145 pounds. The first time it was 140. But between Cyborg, the champion currently at featherweight in, in Bellator, and then Leslie Smith. Any thoughts on this one? Not not, not overly positive thoughts, Luke. I, I am of the understanding, like I've been throughout most of Chris Cyborg's career, that you got to wait out the good matchups because there just isn't the depth, especially at, you know the weight division she has populated, where you're going to consistently get fights that you're really interested in. I was really interested in the Julia Bud fight. You know, it was her entering the promotion and trying to win the title. And but uh, this one doesn't move me as much, Luke. Let's be, you know, let's just say say what it is. Yeah, it's first still one, an event yeah, with first one, fights, but yeah, yeah, first one was not competitive. It lasted just a minute, uh, not even a minute and a half. And I understand why they're doing it. You sign Leslie Smith, you're going to have it at the, pro- first of all, the appropriate weight class at this point. You know, who you got in the stable to make it work. I think Smith won her Bellator debut. So I understand why they made it, but it's like, what what would make me believe that what happened the first time more or less won't happen the second? Well, I guess we don't know, but. I, here's I, the unfortunate you know. yet entertaining part of this, Luke. Like, the unfortunate part is I don't want to see Cyborg, like, visibly decline before my eyes. But the entertaining part of it is, you know, except for the times when we find her somebody absolutely legitimate who can challenge her until that point where she's, you know, completely over the over the hill. Uh, one of these nights she's going to show up a little bit old and be in a war. And, you know, it'll be really fun when it gets there, even if it'll be, you know, sad in the in the life cycle and the, the food chain of seeing that happen. But I don't think it'll be this one, Luke, but that is coming. And, uh, you know, Cyborg's I mean, such a warrior I mean, that the thing, dude. she's going to punch had... her way out of those matchups, Luke. It's going to be fun theater. You know, I don't, just don't think this is the one, I, you know? Neither do I, dude. This is her from the Arlene Blanco fight, I think, or maybe, yeah, I think it's the Arlene Blanco fight. No, this is Julia Budd. Oh, that's Budd. Yeah, yeah. that's Julia Budd because it says Gibson on the rear end. That's her coach and her husband, I think. Um, you know, dude, she doesn't look too bad. To- <laughs> she doesn't look too bad to me. Her only loss since her pro debut, so her only loss in 15 years, BC, is Amanda Nunes. Like, if there's decline, I don't yeah. know where, where do you see it. I don't see it. Well, I, I don't see anyone, you know, even with a little bit more decline, being able to expose that decline yet. But what I'm saying, Luke, is that night, it does come, and it kind of comes unexpectedly, typically. Um, it does. 
like 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 young college age Luke, you know, <laughs> very unexpectedly, right? Uh, just, you know, <laughs> unannounced actually. Dude, I think really my unexpected. decline has been widely expected. <laughs> no, yeah, and yeah. and and eagerly anticipated. <laughs> uh, Luke, would you care about Cat Zingano versus uh, Chris? I honestly think Smith might be a better fight at this point. I agree um, with you, but would you care more? Because it's Cat. Come on. Hey, yeah, like. yeah, it's a fresh matchup. It's a fresh matchup. Yeah. Yeah, right. but I think unless Cat can really get back to what she used to be, which was a physical wrestling powerhouse, right? She was so dominant. Dude, those knees against Misha? Bro, the knees against Misha. Those were some violent ass. Yeah, if you've right never there. seen it, go watch the Misha Tate and Cat Zingano fight. You want to talk about a dog fight between two absolute beasts um that was that was like that and then beating who did she beat who uh when she beat amanda nunez the she first made, yeah. time dude, she grounded pounded nunez right yeah she, dude she, she she's a fucking mo she was a monster i don't know where she's at today so just keep that in mind all right this one i'm excited to get to bc semper fi to this guy topic number four as we move along here Jamel Herring had a really, I'll let BC explain the details, but he had a moment coming out of his last fight where folks thought he was a bit, a bit mentally weak, a bit of a quitter, a bit of a guy who just kind of gave in when he didn't need to. He, he still won the contest, but there was a lot of questions about his character. Well, he goes out here on Saturday and he fights Carl Frampton and not only wins BC, retires Carl Frampton, drops him multiple times to the point where Frampton's corner had to chuck in the towel in just the sixth round. In fact, when they interviewed Frampton, BC, Frampton was like, you should be talking to the champ. You shouldn't even be talking to me right now because I came in ready. I was ready to go. I had a great camp, and he just beat the bricks off of me. It's as simple as that. Let's talk about Carl in a second. But first things first, how big of a redemptive moment was this, given the questioning for Jamel Herring? Monster. I mean, like, forget the questioning. Just first of all, somebody of Jamel Herring's ilk to win a title when we didn't really know if he was that guy and then have that moment you talked about last fight and then to knock out Carl Frampton under any circumstances, this is sort of the, the you know, the mountaintop uh, moment of his career. But you add in what happened. Look, that's the true measure of a real man. Uh, he got... We Scott, you know, we were all over him last fight against Okendo in the midst of the, the quarantine. Uh, it, it looked, Luke, like he was trying to quit or or playing with the disqualification rules and just not fighting hard and being very affected by by some of the fouls that happened. And, and you know, one, obviously, we're not in there. We're not going through that. But two, we knew coming in with, with this guy's history of, of how tough he was, you know, mentally and, and, and that. But did I believe he could summon this performance? No. I didn't believe. I couldn't understand why the betting odds were so close, even though Frampton had said ahead of time that he would retire if he lost. But it seemed more like him just putting extra pressure on himself to get another big win, get a title back, and try to get back into some big fights. Um, you got to give Herring, I mean, so much credit here, Luke, because... You know, skill for skill, he's not better than Carl Frampton. I thought this would be a long night at the office. And he just bit down and believed in his power. And those knockdowns were brutal. That left uppercut, look, I mean, there's he put it on Carl Frampton. And, and you know, uh, obviously we can talk about Frampton in a second, but th this, is, this is a man's win right here. This was going out there and taking it 
right? And uh, shout out to Jamel Herring. This, this is going to go down as one of the, the best wins of this calendar year, Luke. He's not going to win fight of the year. It's not the fight of the year under any circumstance. But this was a, a hell of a victory for somebody who needed this type of moment. It's too easy to get a belt these days, Luke, under over beating a, you know, a guy for the vacant belt or whatever, interim title, and they, they you know raise you up as the full champion. Nobody has to beat anybody anymore to become a champion is really what I'm saying. He just knocked out Carl Frampton. Like, <laughs> that, that you know that that's the moment right there, and, and well done, Jamel Herring. Uh, yeah, I don't have much to add to that except you know you could tell what he 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 this fight was not merely about winning; it was about reflecting the kind of character with which he competes, which was not really all that evident in the last fight, or at least you know maybe the last fight was not the best demonstration of it. He knew for himself, forget even just anybody else watching, for himself, he had to come out here and show real fighting spirit. And by the way, credit to Carl Frampton, who I think was a little bit frustrated at the end of uh, Herring's reach and just decided, you know what? I'm gonna, let's bang. Let's bang, Taito Ivasa and Greg Hardy. Let's bang. And tried to really open up, but that only, that only I think you would agree, BC, when he did that, that actually just facilitated his demise because yeah. it allowed for a guy like Herring to fight fire with fire at that point, and he was just doing better that night. So um, it didn't work out for him. But I give credit to Carl Frampton for the way he fought. I give unbelievable Semper Fi credit to Jamel Herring for coming out here and putting a stamp on things. Let's talk about Frampton for a second. He wanted to be the first Irish fighter to get three world titles. Uh, he only got two, which is still pretty great, obviously. And he now calls it a career. He said he wanted to go back to his family, which, believe me, dude, I understand now more than I ever have in my life. Uh, what can we say about the career of Carl Frampton? Just such a freaking classy individual. I love me. I love me some Carl Frampton. And, uh, you know, he has the accomplishments to go down as a legend. And, and he's had a great career. I really actually double down respect on him being a man of his word and saying, you know, I said I'd retire if I lost this. Uh, he just knocked me out. I'm, I'm walking away. And the reason why I believe it is because for some reason, Luke, guys in the UK, when they when they walk away for good, they tend to they tend to stick with that, and and he tends to know that this was the time that you know this was the end of the days for him to give the very best. And if he can't give your very best, why be out there? So what has this guy given us a very classy career? You're seeing the highlights there. His two fight series with Leo Santa Cruz, uh, in which they split them, both fight of the year contenders. This is you know this was high theater. This was two of the best uh, all-action fights which retained high-level pound-for-pound skill. I mean, these were instant classics when they broke out in 2018 and 19, I believe. Uh, he also had that big showdown with Scott Quigg, which was, had been building for years in the UK and in, in Ireland as this you know big crossover moment. Well, he went out there and he won the fight. Not the best fight ever, but he went out there and he won that. So he's had some big wins in his run, Luke. He's bounced back from defeats. Maybe in the uh, Josh Warrington fight, we, we really should have believed what we saw in terms of a, a once great fighter slowing down, but he's got nothing to hang you know his head negatively on Luke. He was the Belfast boy, still is. You know him and Van Morrison; those are the true stars of that city, Luke. If you the know that really know, um, and forget uh, Northern Irish to Irish declaration there. This guy's one of the best uh, from that that great island, Luke, that we've seen. So uh, well done on a great career. I don't think we'll see it get him again. Uh, would have loved to have seen the trilogy with Leo, but I guess we're gonna have to enjoy the uh, the first two on rewatch, Luke. One day, you and I with a crack a cold one, maybe put on the cameras, rewatch those bad boys again. <laughs> well said. Uh... To, from your lips to God's ears. Okay, let's go to uh, the next MMA topic. So one has an interesting moment. Now, they've aired some stuff before on TNT, whether it was recorded or some other kind of event, but they're going to have 
their North American live television debut, it appears, on Wednesday. It'll be one on TNT. Uh, it's going to have the return, BC, of Demetrius Johnson. It's going to have the return of Eddie Alvarez. Uh, Demetrius will be fighting for the flyweight title against the current champion. And uh, I think uh, Alvarez fights uh, Yuri Lapicus, I believe is his name. There's some other fights on the card. We talked earlier about some of the challenges that Bellator faces in this new era as they want to capture the fans' attention. BC, what are you really expecting from one? You know, they have an interesting uh, consumer pitch, which is that our rules are different. We have different way of scoring. Uh, we have all different kinds of you know permutations we can play with because we're not controlled by the government. But at the same time, is that enough to get the average MMA fans' attention, even with two former UFC figures that some fans might know well? I feel like the timing on this is tough, Luke, because this is supposed to be one's big moment. I give him a lot of credit after initially having that deal with TNT and Bleacher Report and the, the full company there that they're finally doing what they wanted to do, which is, you know, be in prime time on U.S. soil on the major network there, TNT. And I know they want to make this. Where is this card airing from, Luke? Singapore. Singapore. Okay, so this isn't their U.S. debut, which which for them, you know, hopefully will still be a big show and a big opportunity to splash. I just think they had a little bit of momentum when they first signed these names, and then, you know, COVID hit, and um, I think this is kind of coming under the radar right now. There's not, even though there's good name power on it, I don't see a ton of people talking about it. They do have a chance, though, to win some hearts. I don't know what the buzz will be like to see this, but uh, they've got the right network to sort of make a launch here in the States. And again, they've got matchups that we kind of need to see. This is a tough fight for Demetrius Johnson, straight up. I mean, this will be a very good fight as he's going uh, fresh off the tournament win to face the real champion at that weight class. Uh, and I obviously want to see Eddie Alvarez in, under anyone, under any circumstance. But uh, I, I don't feel like the buzz could be there for them here, Luke, what what it could be. But maybe, they, maybe if this show kills and you know as much as we've joked at times about some of the marketing ploys and aggressiveness of the one pr staff and filling our inboxes and text messages and answering machines oh no they don't do that with me and whatsapp and knocking on my front door and uh you know putting the hands on my children no. uh you know really really just harassment to the uh to the professional degree um outside of that luke I mean, their product is fun. You see a lot of, have you seen this shit come out of there? So, you know, maybe this will, maybe it will be the, the results of this card that will bang the drum a little bit for them. But, you know, look, MMA is hot right now. It's not a bad time to do this, Luke. I just feel like timing-wise in terms of getting average fans to care, uh, I don't know. I don't know how many average MMA fans are, even know that this is going to be on is what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know either. I'd be curious to see what the ratings will be. They, they put together, again, I think for a company that is based in Southeast Asia and largely appeals to the various Asian communities, right? That's where most of their market is. Coming to North America makes sense because it's a big market. It's an advanced market for um, MMA tastes, right? People know what MMA is here. They like it a lot, at least, you know, relative to other places. Um, but again, it's like, what are you going to show us that either is going to grab attention or make folks care or whatever. It's like, oh, it's more MMA with a slightly different rule set given the way that they're presenting to the product. I don't I don't know how commanding a pitch that is, to be quite honest with you. In fact, I don't think it's very commanding at all. Um, it's a fine card. I don't hate it. It's, you know, I'll put the DVR on, no problem. But I, I'm just, a, you know, 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night, start of the card for you know, for this is like, that's not really a very effective way to 
enter a market, I don't think. Although TNT is a very highly rated channel, obviously. I mean, you well, think Luke, let's not completely. I mean, look, if this was a Saturday night up against anything from college basketball to boxing and other mixed martial arts, I may have more of an issue. I think the Wednesday night seems kind of smart, right? That that's when you could get people to stumble into TNT looking for like uh, I don't know reruns of great '90s movies like The Firm or uh, The Fugitive. You know, we they they know drama, Luke. Maybe that maybe they'll stumble into it. Hey, look who stumbled into this, Luke. Hey, check it out, guy. Is Reg. this that stray you picked up in the alley? Hey, buddy. Now he's not feeling the show today. It's not. He's not. Hey, hey, dude. Hey. All right, sorry. Sorry, Luke. Sorry to interrupt that. Yo, Reggie, fuck his ass up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, it'll be curious to see. By the way, did you know that one is promoting the, uh, you know, that apprentice they did, that Nubs apprentice? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, it's just the saddest shit ever. They're calling it the most watched English language reality series premiere in 2021 in Asia. <laughs> With the lights off or, or on? Yes. Yes. Smoking in the room while eating Hot Pockets. Yes. Among that demo, it's number one. I want Reggie's everyone to know that. Okay? Reggie Jackson's a huge fan of Chatri. Loves what he's doing. Loves it. At least somebody is. Yeah. Uh, okay, BC. Last but what, not least, there have been... Are you trying to call Reggie abs- homeless? Is that where you're going with that joke, Luke? Uh, listen, I picked my cat up off the street. Who cares? Okay. All right. I love homeless cats. Yeah. Oh, BC, why do you court trouble unnecessarily? <laughs> uh, Luke, okay. I'm naughty by nature, not because I hate you. I understand. I understand. All right, let's go to uh, last topic here before we get to your questions. Let's talk fight announcements. There's just a bunch of quick hitters, BC. I'm going to go down the list, and I want you to tell me what you think of them, okay? Yeah. You ready? Bring it. Charles Rosa versus Justin Jane's UFC event on June 26th. It hasn't moved me yet. You? Featherweight matchup. Two guys who are scrappy. Janes came in with a big bang. Had a couple of uh, setbacks since then, I believe. But uh, hey, Rosa. Yo, Janes, it's it's, hard. it's your boy Hardy. <laughs> Go out there and bang. <laughs> and then then you and I can bang. We can bang. You We can bang. We can bang. Uh, Hani Barcelos versus Timor Valeev. Same event. Bantamweights. Not moving me yet, Luke. You got anything better than that? Uh, Juan Espino versus Alexander Romanov, UFC Vegas 24. Heavyweights. Full, fully flaccid. <laughs> Juan Espino, I'm telling you, there's a lot of good fighters coming out of Spain. Juan Espino is one of them. Uh, how about this? Last fight on his contract for Demi and Maya when he faces Bilal Muhammad, UFC 263. Yeah, 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 that's interesting. I don't hate it. That's an interesting one. That's really going to test some of Bilal Muhammad's positional... I think discipline, and I hope Meyer retires because he said when he retires, he's going to put out a full MMA instructional on all his ideas about how to incorporate jujitsu into MMA, which he won't share until he retires. So I'm actually hoping that he does that soon. Uh, here we go, a, BC. Is this the equivalent of a magician doing a uh, TV special after to show all his secrets and then getting blackballed from the industry? <laughs> yes. Something maybe not the black ball part, but yeah, everything you're else. Not supposed to share the jujuts with the gringos, right? I think that's the. I think that's when you're eating and you become egg shen. That we're not supposed to teach the guai lo, even though lo pan may have. I don't know. <laughs> Hold on, uh, can, you, Rick, can you do? Can you iso cam for a second? I got to close this door. Reggie's a slob. Yeah, real quickly, I'll do Rick Glenn versus Joaquin Silva, 
added to UFC on June 19th. Rick Glenn, former World Series of Fighting champ, I believe, or certainly one who would contest it for a title, uh, has had an up-and-down UFC run. Um, Joaquin Silva, uh, I don't know much about. I can't remember. No, these fights suck, Luke. Okay, you got anything uh, good? How on. about Wonder They're going to get better. They're going to get better. Chan Sung Jung versus Dan Ige, headlining UFC's event on June 19th. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that is just all. Where can I yes. freebase that fight, please? Yes, yes that's yes. going to be fucking awesome is what that's going to be. Uh, another big one, Gilbert Burns. We should talk about this one for a second. Gilbert Burns taking on Stephen Thompson. That's a tough fight for Gilbert. That's a great fight. That's great matchmaking. There, I mean, it's sort of like, okay, Wonder Boy, you're talking a big game lately. Let's beat this killer who's coming off a loss in a title fight. You know, like this is going to be style-wise. Um, you're going to have to favor Burns in that, Luke. I mean, can Wonderboy pull that out? Can he out? Can he do Wonderboy things? I think he can. I mean, let's see. Let's see. Let's see if it's in the small cage. Let's see if it's in the big cage. I'll just say this, dude. If Stephen Thompson wins, I don't know how he doesn't get a title shot at this point. And then more to the point, could you imagine after the second fight with Woodley? That you know, was it three, four years later, maybe even five or something, four years later, that we'd be back here with no. Stephen Thompson, number one contender or potential number one. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, that's not easy to do, especially with a style. Yeah, I mean, he's built on counter striking, which I mean, timing could offset some of the loss of speed, but for him to keep it up in this division at this age without being a slugger, that's impressive, Luke. I got to tell you, the guys who can keep their bodies reasonably fresh which is extremely hard to do. Remember, I don't think Wonder Boy got put out, put out until that Pettis fight. He got yeah. TKO'd against Matt Brown, but I don't think he got put out, put out. He just stopped defending himself, basically, so they had to intervene on his behalf. Um, but in general, and he got rocked against Woodley, but he hasn't taken a ton of abuse. And here he is. Like To get a, to get a, a rematch is one thing. To get another title shot, BC, years apart from the last title shot you got in the UFC... That is very rare and very hard to do. It is an exceedingly small group that has ever done that. And uh, he might be on the cusp of that. That's a big one. Got a couple more of these, BC. Uh, let's see here. This is another big one. You may laugh at this, but this is the guy I talked about when I called you co-host on the Rogan Show. Michelle Prezeris returns to take on unbeaten Shavkat Rachmanov. This dude, Rachmanov, is a motherfucker. And Michelle Prezerish is, you know, very tough, hard-nosed, kind of wrestling tree stump guy. Should be interesting. Yeah, that, that sounds great, Luke. You don't know either of those fighters, do you? I... Lastly, Jessica Penne is going to welcome newcomer Lupita Godinez at UFC Vegas 24. I've, I've heard better. <laughs> okay. With that, let's get to your questions. Here it's we time go, when you evil. get to here we go. It's when you get to ask us what you think. It's time for DMs from dogs. As you guys know, every Sunday we put out an Instagram post where we solicit your questions. You fill them up, the producers pick them, and then they send them to us. You can follow us, of course, on Instagram at Morning Combat. Okay, BC. This is from High on Tubs. Where would Patricio and AJ rank with Max, Brian, and Volkanovsky? Rank the top five there. Okay, I'm glad that man sent it because I get a lot of these type of DMs. I just received a DM. Who sent that in? That um, was me. That was you? All right. I get a lot of these DMs lately 
where you know people we love this guy's from sneaky at sneaky underscore mts he's like you know are we going to pretend like we wouldn't be in favor of Pitbull beating Volkanovski in the mythical matchup. I mean, I hear a lot of people saying that, Luke, of late. Um, let, let's really break this down. I mean, this ain't you and me trying to, uh, you know, circle the rim and tickle the underbelly of our Viacom CBS brethren. I love the shit out of Pitbull. Could you could you believe in him to beat Volkanovski straight up, Luke? No. I put, I think Volkanovski's your best. I think Pitbull's probably in this... Ooh. It's a toss-up between Patricio and Max for me next. I don't know which way I go with that one. Mm. I think Max is the best featherweight in the world right now. Okay, so you go Max 1, Pitbull 2, Volk 3? You know, I got to put Volk above Pitbull, I think, until I see. I don't know. I think Pitbull's a better fight. No, I think Pitbull's better, Luke. Pipple's power carries up a weight class, and he can go to 135. That's a special dude. And he's a savage who would not hang out with us at, at yeah. all. Like we talked about. <laughs> dude, like Luke I said, dude, he would game. hang out with us for five minutes because he's polite, and then he would realize we're two cucks who have no business talking to him, and he'd leave. That's what he would do. Um, I, I definitely, put- I'll say this. I would definitely rank AJ at the back of that pack, in part because he's had nothing but impressive wins, but, you know, Brian Ortega on the ground, you're not going to get the one percenter on him. It's not going to go that way. Um, certainly, Max's takedown defense is tremendous, and behind his jab, he's going to beat most people. He's very experienced in ways that AJ is not. So, to me, it's like Volkanovski to me is number one. I would, ha- I got to have Patricio and Max one A or two A two B, and then I go Ortega three, and then AJ four. I look at it as who would I in my heart? Who would I favor him against? I could favor him against Volkanovski. I could believe that he could beat him. I don't think he'd beat Ortega. I don't think he'd beat still super prime Max. Wow, you uh, think Volkanovski sucks, huh? No, I just think he's really good at what he's really good at, and he's and he, you know he's a he's a you know he's a smart ass clinical technician, right? I really respect that. But I believe if you can match his his technical output like Max did in the uh, rematch, and you have either size or speed or power as your advantage, you you can look better than him over five rounds and, and get a deserved decision. So um what is technical output? It's a new term I just created. It's evolving um very smart offense and defense, Luke. It's uh you know I have my own uh compu box for that. Um so Luke, what I'm saying is uh I think Ortega's a bad matchup for him, Max maybe Maybe even Zabit, okay? Because I know a lot of people out there still sore at me for believing that Zabit's going to be the best at this weight class in a year. But, uh, you know, try me. All right. Uh, From J-Rocked, from J-Rocked T or Rocked 11 or 1-1, however the fuck you say this name. On the wheel of death, when Luke had to propose changes to Bellator, why not add a 165-pound division? It would be the first major organization to do so and has a lot of big names that they could grab on free agency. That is an interesting idea, BC, but my only concern would be if you did it in UFC, you have a lot of people at 155 and 170. Um, Bellator doesn't have as many people. Like People want Bellator to be UFC. It's, it can't be the way the industry is organized. It doesn't work that way. You can have elites in Bellator, and you do, but I don't know if you have enough to split them in the way that UFC does. Yeah, True I don't false. think you have the depth right now to to pull something like that off. I think that's a smart move. Would you be down for 
Bellator almost going in the opposite direction and having as little weight classes as possible, Luke? Like, what would they get rid of? Like, you know, th- this is obviously much more of a conversation in boxing where the 17 weight divisions now are just, you know, on you know, just ridiculous. People are like, can't we go back to the original eight, right? You know, that boxing had for the first 60 years or whatever. Um, is there a number you think in MMA that is sort of that sweet spot? How Are we past that sweet spot? I tend Would to think 10-pound 10, 10 increments. So if we're going to start on the men's side at 125, so let's see. 25, 35, 45, 55, 65, 75, 85, 205, and then heavyweight. Yeah, 9 or 10 is probably going to be about right for men. All right. Um, I, yeah, they don't have the depth in this in this case to do it. So uh, I was saying do less divisions to make the titles feel more important and have more depth at each division because of that. But that could also be a turnoff to fighters. too. But, but also team. Bellator doesn't even have a flyweight division. True. You know what I mean? Have you ever noticed that Coker has never been like, you know what Bellator really needs? We got to get 125ers. People want to make this argument like, how could you get rid of the flyweights? I know how, because consumers don't care about them. If you care about them, that's fine. Consumers don't. For the most part, they don't. Um, so, you know, to me, it's never been a coincidence that like, oh, just Coker doesn't want him. Coker doesn't want him for a good reason. And he's had all the opportunity in the world to snatch up some if he wanted, and he didn't. And I think that speaks volumes. It's fair. Fair, Luke. From Ilya745, how would current Francis, current Francis, and prime Fedor go? Got to tell you, I think Fedor takes an L there. Really? Um, yeah, I'll tell you why. Fedor, what his big advantage was when he was in his prime, so let's say 2004-ish, he had incredible speed and explosivity. There is no doubt in my mind he would land on Francis first. And there's no doubt in my mind he, they would land, he would land on Francis more. But he also had wide punches, and he also took risks. And Francis has the dim mock on lock. I mean, whenever he wants it, bink, and there you go. It's, you know, on-call death touch is pretty great power to have. You're asking me, Francis, durable, lasted 25 minutes with Stipe the first time, even though he got his ass kicked, but they couldn't put him away. I think, he would, I think Fedor would land on him, BC, but I think eventually that would wear off. And Francis is gonna he's going to land sooner or later, and that's gonna be all she wrote. Yeah, the no, you're making very uh very sober comments here that would mean that Francis would have to be the betting favorite, and I think overall you're right, and some of what Fedor was was antiquated to a different era. I just what I retain in the romanticized idea of wanting to pick Fedor is the fact that uh he has those intangible things on lockdown that he would need to be successful, chin and wrestling in this matchup. So with that, I mean, look, uh, you know, seriously, a, a, from what, as we know of Nganu right now, Stipe is the only guy who can, who could take punishment and, and have success and keep coming. I mean, even Curtis blades in that first fight, his face fell apart when he tried it, you know, with the success on the ground, like no one's been able to survive that except for Stipe. We look at him as like superhero, superhuman. And then in the rematch, he still got sent to hell. I mean, that's the way, you know? So, uh, I think Fedor, because, you know, I've watched him, get scorpioned and then get right up and win the fight. Luke, I, I've realized that this man is not of normal, uh, normal, uh, you know, body response to pain that, uh, his cyborg level of absurdity could maybe keep a minute longer in my head. But, uh, even my head would get sent to hell by Frank and right now. Luke, this is a, uh, this is just a, a nasty 
creation of like like the like i'm you know i'm sure francis has given a lot of good to the world in his many years and his story is very inspirational but this was a a tool that god created that is very very violent and it does bad things luke from rare dubai collector what would it take for you two to completely switch facial hairstyles luke shaves his beard completely although bc has facial hair of a 13 year old but he's got some and Brian grows his hair like Luke's. Luke, I don't think we're actually that far off. I mean, you have no, a we're not that far apart. No beard, but we both like them um, high and tight, and also both get similar hairstyles. Luke, yeah, we're more alike than we like to admit. Unfortunately, <laughs> you just refuse to dye them locks, Luke. And re- you know and, what? You are many, and you contain multitudes, Brian Campbell. Did you know that? Uh, what would it take for you to have a big ass beard like me? Not much, right? No, I can't grow it. That's why. That's why I don't uh. flirt with it. It gets yeah. I, I, I look. I, I mean, I was one of those people who didn't have to shave, like actually shave with shaving cream until I was like nineteen or twenty because I just there's just not a lot going on, Luke. Okay, you know what I used to do? Um, so I had a date my senior year in high school, Luke, and I was working at McDonald's at the time, and they had a no facial hair below the lip, top lip rule. But, you know, I was really going somewhere with my goatee and I had this big date coming up. So I considered calling in sick. But ultimately, I just took two Band-Aids and covered it, Luke, and worked a shift at the uh, register. Do you know how, like, low class that decision was in hindsight? Yeah. But, uh, hey, hey, yeah. hey, jack off working behind the register. Can you chin bleed into my <laughs> filet fish I mean, it's, you know, looking back, it's not much of a heroic story, Luke, okay? Do you know we also had at McDonald's, I didn't mean to turn this into room service diaries, but we had managers that were so angry about the shaving rule, and, you know, a lot of guys would come in with the 5 o'clock shadow that they'd yell at you to go to the med kit, and we had a community razor, and it was a used shaving razor without any shaving cream, and they expected you to just go in the back and shave off your beard with it. And many, many employees did, Luke. That's uh, <laughs> that's some, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, they didn't do that at Chick-fil-A. We didn't, gross, we didn't have that. All right. Because they, they uh, would say they wanted to send you home, but the reality was we needed the bodies, Luke, okay? So that's why the community razor became a necessity. When did... When I mean, good thing we didn't have the community condom. <laughs> you know, yeah, look, I'm, yeah. you know guess, what? You just sometimes, sometimes you got to share things, right. BC. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you got to share things. Yep. yep. Sharing is caring. All right. Last but not least, from Goose Nofa, someone says, "BC is this art? Have you seen the? I've seen this. Have you seen the Banksy documentary? Exit through the gift shop. I have specifically told you about this. If yes, give me your thoughts. If no, check it out at once. Have you seen Exit through the gift shop? What is that? What is that? The one with uh, Kim Jong? It is a program? documentary where they talk to somebody who purports to be Banksy. You know Banksy, the elusive street artist. What? Now I got Manich telling me it's a must-watch. No, I don't know who Banksy is, and I've never heard of this documentary. I'm still. You've trying never to find, heard of Banksy? The I'm still the trying to buy the artist. one on Prime that you told me of Kim Jong Un's brother in the game show, Luke. Okay, that's my next half brother, uh, and he gets murdered. Yes. Well, called spoiler assassins. alert. I mean, come on, bro. Uh, Banksy <laughs> is a famous street artist, believed to be British, but, you know, his identity or her identity, whoever it ends up being, is uh, very much unknown. And it is, they are someone that's done really important work, some political work. They went to some of the places in um, the West Bank uh, or Gaza. I'm not sure which one of the two, but where you know, Israelis and Palestinians are separated by a wall. And then they drew all kinds of stuff on the wall. 
uh, or he drew, he, she or he drew all kinds of like very political messaging on the wall. But they've done other stuff. They do, um, they do like this pop art. He caught, he caught, he or she caused a bit of a pop art craze where he had a lot of imitators. This is somebody who purports to be Banksy talking through some of what they've done. And, um, yeah, it's a great documentary. It's really, really, really I'll have really, to check really it out. Good. Do you know where it's streaming? And am I the Banksy of this show in some, some degree? Um, are you the guy who tries to make jokes so painfully obvious they hit you over the head? I don't know if you're that guy. But, dude, anybody, people always ask me, where is it streaming? I don't know the answer to that, but you can almost always go to YouTube.com slash movies and find anything. So check that out. I'll look it up as we go yeah, but through. Then you Have you seen this? For it, Luke. So All right, I pay for it. Then you got to pay for it on YouTube. That's a last resort. I'm looking to see if the 18 streaming services my family makes me pay for. Luke, wow, I sounded old and white right there. I'm trying to see if it's on one of those for free, Luke. Since All I right, here's where, it's, here's where it's at. Here's where it's at. Uh, it's at Voodoo. Oh, God, they're going to make me fucking show my ads on this site. God, Jesus. All right, hang on. It's on Voodoo, Prime, Apple TV, but you got to rent or buy it there anyway. So there okay. you go. I'll I'll get back to you on it. All right. Here's how they here's how they uh, pitch it to you. The infamous shadowy British graffiti street artist Banksy has left his mark on cities throughout the world. He's come into contact with Terry Guetta, a Los Angeles-based Frenchman who videotapes various underground art escapades and later is transformed into an art phenomenon dubbed Mr. Brainwash. His fans narrate, oh, excuse me, uh, an overlapping documentary. Oh, the documentary explores where the line is between what is real and what might be fake blurs as modern art and celebrity are put under the microscope. Uh, that go. sounds a lot like what should have been the tagline for our second doc, Luke, because we blurred that same line, all right? Yeah, except no. Uh, there you go. That's it. That's all we have. Time for your shit. All right. All right. Thanks, Luke. Thanks. You're losing steam right at the key point of the show? I hope not, Luke, okay? Listen, my energy, as you saw mathematically, it stays steady. It's yours that goes up and down, my guy. All right, here we go. We scour the globe for the good and bad, the highs and lows. The I'm uh, excited the, about this today. The ugly shit, all that in between. It's called, have you seen this shit? Oh, God, my rear end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Luke, you're excited about it. Let's go to Dubai. ESPN Boxing. We talked about uh, Jamel Herring's upset knockout of Carl. Not upset, I'm sorry. Knockout of Carl Frampton. Luke, I just want to show you this uppercut here. I mean, that it will. God. Whoa. Sneaky, sneaky. Woo. I mean, that's just some good ish from Semper Fi right there. And, and Carl's got a chin on him too. So, yeah, uh, Frampton. Frampton was game. I'll give him credit, bro. He was game. Let's see it one more time. Look at that. Oh, but Luke, that wasn't the best knockdown or knockout of the show. Check out the opening fight on the undercard. I couldn't find the guys' names, but watch this. Oh. <laughs> Dude, that was Donk Fest 2021. <laughs> I mean, look at these punches. Are these the worst punches you've ever seen in your life? Uh, it looked like the spinning top from Karate Kid Part Two, Luke. The dunk, 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 dunk. Actually, the guy who won's combo wasn't was okay. Oh. Yeah, the guy who won's combo was okay. The guy who got knocked out that was just that was just Darwinian. That looked like the first, or, no, the second Danny Garcia Eric Morales fight where he just knocked he knocked him out so hard he did a pirouette, Luke. I mean, that's just some shit right there. Look at that. Yes, 
Man, I should have found out that guy's name. Well done. All right. To the land keep, of wind and ghosts. You keep go. the Boxing Express going. DAZN this weekend. Look, you know who's back? Unified 122-pound champion, Murajan Akhmadaliev. They yeah. call him MJ. Remember? Tell me the guy with the man bun gets wrecked here, please. Yes, he does. That is Rice K. Iwasa. Well, here's the deal, Luke. Um, MJ uh, Akhmadaliev. He beat, uh, what's that, felt? Danny Roman to win the two belts in an absolute war before the quarantine in early 2020. And just a fight of the year candidate. He's been off this entire stretch. We know that division is heating up, including a lot of guys under the PBC banner that fight on Showtime. Uh, Steven, uh, cool boy Steph, St- Stephen Fulton Jr. is one of them, Luke. But uh, good to see Akhmadaliev back. A lot of people believe he is the class of this dis- this division. And boy, did he put it on old, uh, old uh, what kind of hair is that, Luke? I mean, you sh- listen, if the ref just let it go because he's like, you, you got a man bum, bro. I'm going to let you get beat on a little bit. I, I'd honestly understand the referee. All right. Well done here. Uh, let's go back to Bellator 255 uh, Friday night from Mohegan Sun. And we are all going nuts about our boy Rat Garbage, Luke. Uh, her, what's his first name? Last name's Nalo. Mandel. All right. I got a lot to say. First of all, he sent Ricky Sejas to... <laughs> Dude, if you've not seen this, it's all on YouTube. You can go and look. BC, I don't think he missed a punch, and every punch he landed had authority behind it. It was sharp, accurate, and powerful. And, I mean, he beat the piss out of this guy. But the scariest part is watch the walk-off. Luke, I say this with as much... uh, uh, you know, niceties as I can. That's sociopath level behavior. I mean, he just walked off like, all right, uh, you know, what time's Wapner on? You know what I mean? That w- this guy's a stone cold killer, and he's a creeper too, Luke. I love me some rat garbage, right? Yeah, rat garbage is like legitimately an incredibly interesting person. He has a unusual name, an unusual look. But when it's time, look at this, look at this fool. This guy was, you'd think this guy was bagging your groceries or something. I mean, he's, you know, in the park having coffee or something. Like, you'd find him at a yoga studio before you'd find him at an MMA gym, and he will fuck you up. He is. His neighbors are like, we never saw it coming. The mass murders. He was such a nice guy. He did yoga in the backyard every day. Yes. Namaste. Yes. I mean, he just stretches. It looks like he stretches in the morning just by like twisting a rabbit's head completely off its body, you know? I love this like, dude. Like that's got- how you open a pickle jar. He just goes. You know. All right. If I secure an interview, will you appear in this interview, Luke? I think we yes. need hundred percent. Okay. Uh, and all in all seriousness, he's Faraz Zahabi trained, so he's out of. Uh, I think he's out of um, TriStar. He he might be the real deal. Bellator's prelim cards are more like boxing prelim cards, where you know they're just filling it up sometimes, or guys will have one fight deals, or they'll actually be fighting for another promoter that's regional, and then they'll just have them on the card to like sell tickets. That's less so for this last one because they're in the bubble, but historically speaking, that's been the case. Um, but this looks to me like a guy on the prelims that they were giving. He's fought a Bellator before that they're giving a real tryout to because he looks good. He's yeah, a that was good assault. fighter. I mean, that was an ass kicking. Uh, you mentioned regional MMA, Luke. You know anything can happen there. So let's do a nice little roundup. How about we start with CFFL. It was on UFC Fight Pass. I and saw we got this. a KO of the year contender bah, here. Ooh. Hold that, son. Wow. Wow. Yeah, dude. This is nice. Steps across. Bang. Oh, that was... Spinny shit done right. Wow. All yeah. right. Let's go over to Brave MMA. Luke, this is Nalras Abzak. What the hell kind of choke is this, Luke? High elbow guillotine. Good God. And then this he is lets nasty. it. Yeah. Now it's, yeah, no, still high elbow. Well, 
Now it's just a regular guillotine. Before it was high elbow. Dude, he machitaed. He John Jones on machitaed him right there. He just left the dead body hanging, Luke. Yeah. Yeah, that was he tried to turn out of it and then he stops the turn and then he comes back around belly down and then it just becomes a regular guillotine. Yeah, it's high elbow. Oh, Your reason why is so that the person can't fight it. You actually put the elbow. I mean, that's um, kind of a late stoppage the there. That Luke, that he could have killed the guy, right? Mm, I mean, if he held it for a few more minutes or something, no. That, wow. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's not great. That's, that's not, great. not great. It's not great. Well, sometimes they get revenge on the refs, Luke. Check out this dude after the tap-out loss on the regional scene. Uh, sorry, not a tap-out. After the stoppage, this guy's not done fighting, Luke. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> oh God, dude, that's like kind of in there a little bit. He's tapping, Luke. Yes, a little revenge against the uh, authority, right? Oh man, yeah. You know what? He actually did it pretty well too. Yeah. Oh, that so is not, one not championship. Really. Not Sorry, really. that's not regional MMA, Luke. That's one championship. A lot of weird shit will happen in that ring there. Wow. He okay. gets a stretch on the leg, but he doesn't. Like he's doing like a knee bar, but like with a heel hook grip. It's weird. Yeah, indeed. All right, let's go over to uh, Fame MMA. Luke, did you see this cringy weigh-in? What is going on here? Aren't these like you're kind of, you know? Okay, but watch she's her a mannerisms. 10 for you, right? I don't understand her, Luke. She's scary. You like her me. tattoos? No. I like her tattoos. They're nice. Okay, but watch the behavior. It's very. Um... Yeah. They have the same face. I don't understand it. They have the same face. I kind of like it, though. Do they all get surgery at the same place? Actually, I think I like it a lot. <laughs> I, think, right. I think they get surgery at the same spot, bro. Yeah, that's some uh, that's some serious ink there, too, Luke. But um, all right, I'm done with this. It's, it's now scaring me. I've, I've come the full uh, gamut of Her emotions. Her face is... You it's know not what, Luke, normal. Let, let's check in with older broads. Let's find out what Abuela is up to. Oh, she went to the mall today, Luke, in D.C. to uh, try to get you a birthday gift. Um, oh, Bob. No. Oh. oh. <laughs> this one, my, dude, this is what my, you know, dude, old people and kids are the same. Yes. This yes, is what my are. kid does. She just walks without looking and then <laughs> falls down, you know. Oh, like, dude, her walking is like the perfect example of inertia. Because once she's in motion, bro, she just goes. Check out this dude in the red shirt behind the ball just kind of watching. Yeah. He's like, oh, you all right? You dead? Lady? Oh, you ain't dead? All right. <laughs> well, Luke, later in the day, it got worse for Abuela. She was trying to catch the bus after she dried off, and uh, this, didn't, this didn't end right. Dude, no one... No one loves elder abuse more than you. I've never seen someone. I just provide who the can't videos. keep his pants on when old people are getting <laughs> wrecked. Uh, well, Luke, let, let's go out to the uh, motorbike scene. Check out this dickhead on the back of the scooter, Luke. <laughs> oh no, he's not going to drive off, is he? Oh Jesus. <laughs> Well, you know what? Now he can listen to satellite radio. Oh, they were on their way to church, too. That's a bad look, Luke. That's not good. All right. Uh, Luke, have you ever heard of this Russian combat league called Thermopyle Team Combat in Russia? Have you ever seen this shit, Luke? I've seen combat MMA, yes. I like how uh, this either either they just said, you know what? COVID can just take us all, or this is from a few <laughs> years ago. Well, here's the premise, Luke. It's four-on-four four team combat. They call it TTC. 
and you fight elimination style until you defeat the other team. And it's um, inspired by the Battle of Thermopylae, which took place in 480 BC for all you historians, which the Thermopylae. film... The film The 300 Spartans is based on, Luke. Thermopylae. 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 I prefer that pronunciation. But uh, would you watch this? I know we've seen Team MMA before out of Europe. They're crazy out there. They're crazy, Luke. I mean, you know, what I watch is not really a high bar. Um, Yeah. So, yes, but that doesn't tell you that, like, I think it's good. That's a small ring, bro. That's a narrow piece of shoebox. It's a a shoebox for Shaq. Yeah, it is. All right. Hey, it's Scorpion King tryouts are continuing for the upcoming sequel. We got a we got one inside this uh this pole vault event here at your local track meet. Almost there, almost there. Oh god. <laughs> that was me asking John Jones a question. Yeah. Here we go. Hey John. <laughs> blah blah blah. Oh. All right, let's oh, head out sorry, to the John. beach, Luke. Uh playing when you play beach football, you gotta dive for it, right? You gotta try to impress the ladies. Oh, oh shit! Oh yeah, <laughs> that's spinal. Yes, he broke his back. Wow. Okay. He thought he was AJ Green, who was gonna leap into the end zone, all athletic and oh. shit. I'm like, BC. They are they are they white? I can't. Oh, yeah, they're white. Yeah, they're very white. Own brand. Well, very own let's brand. keep okay. on going on this this trend, Luke. I think they refer to this as natural selection in the white community. <laughs> Watch me, yo! Here, here, ready? I got a magic trick, BC. Ready? Watch this honky disappear. <laughs> I mean, oh, is that into the sewers? Did he is he in the sewers now, Luke? That's not going to end well. I, I can make cold honkies disappear. That's what I can do. Woo! All right, uh, let's go down under. You know, I love me some Aussies, and check out this insane kickboxing KO, Luke. Oh! oh, oh, oh. oh. <sighs> No, I won't be getting you the manager for you to speak to today. <laughs> Pow, dude. Oh he ate God. every inch of that punch. That dude bounced off the ropes, ricocheted forward, and slammed everything he had into that. Oh, it took his how it took his soul away. It took Pow. His and he got his head away. off the center line. And he got his head off the center Ooh. line. Well done. All right, we got to get something positive. Let's let's check out the slam dunks of the week, Luke. Check out this Raptors fan on ice skates. I need you to judge this on a, on a you know one to fifty score. Here we go. I do love Canadians. Oh, high degree of difficulty here, Luke. Okay, this is very cool so far. Ah. Kind of threw it in, though, right? Yeah, yeah. He almost stuck it. I mean, here's the thing. I'll give him a 10 out of 10 for the spirit of the challenge, but I got to give it an 8 out of 10 because as hard as it is, you do have to stick it if you sign up for the challenge. It's very reminiscent of Dwight Howard when he put on the Superman cape and he caught that lob and he basically just threw it in because he jumped from like, you know, 18 feet away, something ridiculous. All right, let's uh, move on to the, uh, that's the best made dunk of the week. Let's check out the best missed dunk in this, uh, it looks like a church dunk contest maybe. Oh God. Are they white? Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> oh, God. Bill, future Bills Mafia member right there, Luke. Wow. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let's see this one more time. Wow. Dude, hold on. His head bounces off the rim, table, and floor. Watch. Is that the CTE trifecta? That is, <laughs> that is great. 
Wow. Woo. Okay. Uh, Luke, oh, you know, awful. it's uh, uh, the with the, all the vaccines going around, concert season could be back upon us. We could be out there drinking, playing with the ball. This would be great, right? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that, was, that was unplanned. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, wow. You just got to walk away if you did that. If you were the one who did it, you just got to, you know, you got you to gotta get out of there, Luke. You, oh, you yeah. Gr- great, great shot there, Ike Turner. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> All right, Luke, the next one is all about doing it for the gram. If I'm going to risk my life, I want you standing there to film it for me, Luke, okay? Oh, God. Are they white? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh God. That's a- very, very off-brand whiteness here. Yeah, it's the price you pay for, for uh, good photography. It's like in the movie Wait, hold Salvador. on. Who is this person in the bikini, and are they topless? Uh, they might be. That might have, yeah, wow, okay. Because I can't quite tell from uh, no, the that, Zoom call that's I'm looking not- at here. That's wow. That's a a rough fall there at the end too, Luke. That's Luke. She just aims for her friend. She knocks her friend into a pit of cobras. Yes. And then she just falls off this thing. Ugh. That's what drinking four loco before noon will do for you. Four loco. This is three white claw. Are you kidding? (laughs) All right, Luke. It's the inspirational moment of the week. Luke, don't let anyone ever tell you that you can't do it. Look at this guy. No arms. Still determined to be a lumberjack. So I went to school with a kid who had no arms in both elementary school and then uh, we went to college together. Yeah. He played on the soccer team. He's pretty good. Big Def Leppard fan? All right. I mean, that's a little much, but uh, okay. Very inspirational stuff, Luke, just like this video. It's awesome. All right. Yeah, well, one guy losing it later in life with one arm is not quite the same as being born without two arms, but okay. All right, you know, I can regret saying something. It happens a lot on the show. Okay. I can say, though, that this gentleman is uh, all man. I love this man right here. This is great. All right, that boxing phone looks like, wow, okay. All right, Luke, uh, uh, well, let's head over to the barbershop. This, uh, thank you to Hoagie Farts for presenting this to us, but that is, uh, that's something. There. I don't think this is real. That is, um. I don't know. I don't understand what's up with this person's posture or their chest. <laughs> Or those uh, gross nipples? Would you say that they got shafted by the barber there, Luke, or what? I mean, you know, I mean, uh, uh, more like teabagged. Yeah, uh, that's. Sort of. I don't like that. I don't like that. All right, hey, Luke. Um, you know, they say some guys have all the luck. Brett Okamoto's, you know, very handsome guy. Some guys get all the best gigs. Did you see what Brett tweeted out yesterday on where he was this weekend? Out at the shooting range with Team Shevchenko doing a piece on the sisters. Look at this handsome guy right there. I mean, some guys get all the good stuff. And after they were done firing off rounds like it was Luke and his wife's first date, they went inside and had dinner. Just one man and two chicks. Did you see this? BC, have you ever been to a firing range? No, no, no. no. Oh, we're going, motherfucker! You you want to? Okay, you want to do a documentary? Yeah Luke, and, yeah. Luke takes BC on a date. Yeah. To the firing range. We're going to a shooting range. You and I. Oh boy, you got the right music for it. All right, and then then they went to the restaurant meet. You got the next. Have one you hold on? You ever fired a gun? Uh, no, I've never fired. I don't like firearms, Luke. Okay, I'm not a real gun guy. What does that mean? I don't like firearms. Uh, I don't feel I have a need for them in my life. Okay. Okay, but I don't have I don't own any firearms, but I mean Are you scared of firearms? Yeah, yeah, I'd say I'd say I, okay. I I'd say I I don't want to own a firearm. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know there's no needles in them, right? 
are you lobbying for or against gun control secretly in this conversation? I am for uh I am for gun control, but I am also not one of these folks who like oh, I'm going to make views about guns and know nothing about them. I've had a life with guns, and because I've had a life with guns, I really think that they should be more highly regulated. That being said, I also enjoy firing them at the shooting range in a safe environment, and I'm taking your ass to go shoot. If the documentary, if Jake, less than Jake, the documentarian is there, and we maybe we can draft the uh, Shevchenkos, I know it would be stealing a bit of, you know, copywriting plagiarizing brett's work but uh if this is this man's life work i mean did you see the picture of them in the restaurant luke just all dolled up i mean you know brett's doing well yeah dude instead of food truck diaries we can do shooting gallery diaries all right all right uh well i got one more clip for you not necessarily related to brett but you know depending what you think about it luke It's like, like, here's my impression of Luke watching Red Tube. Yeah. (laughs) Brett was like, hold on, sisters. I've got to go in the back for a second. Yeah, all right. That's awful. That's just awful. Uh, Great work. Great from a great uh, journalist. Okay, Luke? That's just a a great man. It's a lot of ranch on your shitty pizza there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, So, Luke, yeah, you can't can't make me own a gun. I don't don't need a forearm. I don't own a gun. And you can own guns here much more easily than you used to be able to due to some changes in uh, the law, but... Look, if I didn't um, believe in my ability to sink that in against you, you know, then maybe I'd consider packing heat, packing some heat. But, uh, yeah. BC, what kind of things would you say you've done in your life that are manly? <laughs> uh, uh, as Just a couple of years ago, I got two cars in the garage for the first time, Luke. That was like one of those moments in life where you were like, I made it. I made it, Luke, okay? I did a winter without scraping that shit. Is that manly or is that... Is that uh, that's regular shit. That's pretty regular. That's that's regular shit, but that's the upper end of regular shit. Um, you know? I chop wood in the spring, Luke. I, I go out you, every day. You have day. an axe? I have an axe. I've got a, uh, what's the other thing that's like an axe, but it, you know, uh, what's the word? You know what I'm talking about? Ha- handle? Blade? I don't know. Maul. I Hatchet? got an axe. I got a maul. I got that oh. spike that you put in to break that shit up. That's pretty okay. manly. Okay, 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 okay. But do you have a chainsaw? I do. I have a very good chainsaw, too. Okay, all right. That's something, dude. That's that's pretty good. Uh, I bought if- the Industrial Strength Weed Whacker last year and um, nearly got divorced because of it. I, I, I accidentally killed a lot of things my wife loved in the yard, including uh, plants, flowers, is Luke? You ever use like the like the kind that like a lawn service business would get? Like the the not the regular you know at home weed whacker. I bought the big one, Luke. Okay, that thing's out of freaking control. I lose control of it. It's just like holding a weapon in your arms, Luke. It just starts taking things out. They're asking, are you a rider mower guy or a push mower guy? I inherited a rider a year and a half ago. Uh, so yeah, I'm a I'm a rider die. BC, I got to tell you, when I was, your boys are going to be 13. When I was 13, dude, I was definitely mowing the yard. Why are you mowing the yard? My dad wouldn't let me near the mower because he assumed I would break it. (laughs) I don't know that that's the worst assumption given the facts, but at the same time. Do you want a true uh, story? When I was 13, your boy was, yeah, I was, dude, I was cropping tobacco at 13, much less mowing yards. You were cropping tobacco? Yeah, that's what the kids did in the South in the summer to make some cash. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. I didn't know that. Luke, you surprise me every day. Hey, Luke, how excited are you? Yeah, you you? say weird shit, and when it comes time for us to tally up manly shit I've done, I got a substantial lead on you, man. I've I've sired two children, Luke, okay? 
It's true. You, I survived. Yeah, it's true. You have three needles, without <laughs> without you know with a Vietnam veteran in his seventies who only works did one the, day uh, a week. Did the vaccine hurt? Did it hurt at all? No, that didn't hurt at all. I, I give that. You got in the shoulder, right? Yeah, I think it's because yeah. I am a former COVID um, sufferer, Luke. Remember, I had like the COVID eighteen and a half at that at the early. I had like the early version of it. Um, yeah. It triggered me forty eight hours of uh, basically sleep after getting that needle. So. Uh, you know. All right, just to wrap up on this, because I want to be clear about this. Would you be interested, maybe when you come to D.C., would you be interested in going, like legitimately interested in going to a safe, well-run, very professional shooting range with me? I would be interested. Now, what access to, to firearms do I have? Like, do they have... Great. Uh... So with the shooting range, they usually have regulations. Obviously, whatever state you're in, you have to comply with the state regulations and that kind of a thing. And I think... Um, I've never brought my own guns in because I don't own any. So I don't know to what extent you have to demonstrate ownership of firearms that you bring in, but you can bring in certain firearms or you can rent what the range has. And what I've found is that, you know, listen, you want to go just fire a Glock 17, which is a very basic, uh, handgun. You can do that. Not much recoil, pretty accurate, um, easy, steady trigger squeeze to the rear. But if you want to get like, you know, exotic, like some Mossbergs or, you know, uh, something fun, some German special forces weapons, you can get those too. They're fun to fire because they're silly. Like you would never use them and you can't even buy some of them here. Do they have but, the, um, the, the Desert cool. Eagle hand pistol? That The uh, Desert Eagle is not for you. That's not a beginner's yo, weapon. Yo, Arnold, Arnold handled that with ease in Commando, bro. Okay. <laughs> yes, he, yes, he did. That may or may not have been real. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, Desert Eagle, we can work up to Desert Eagle. I would not start you at Desert Eagle. I would start you twenty-two. What about you know, on, nine uh, millimeter Call of huh? Duty and and uh, Fortnite with my kids? There's that gun. It's a one shooter from like the 1800s, and you got to pipe clean it in between shots. You know that one? It's like a it's like yeah. a well rod. You know which one we're gonna fire? It's politically charged, but it's a very good weapon. Certainly, even sporting. Well, I don't. I wouldn't hunt with it, but just a fun a weapon to shoot again in a safe environment. Um, again, it's politically charged, but the AR-15 is actually a very, I understand why it's a popular consumer choice, even among law-abiding citizens. It's easy to handle. It's not too hard to clean. Um, All right, I have a few questions. Is, yeah, it's got a very minimal recoil. It's pretty accurate. It, you know. Is this, um, um, is this one of the, are you taking me to an indoor place where there's like a, a, a bust of somebody and I'm shooting like targets on it and then it comes back to me and i got the thing or are we outside like the shevchenko's which, which one are you No, doing? the outside ones are for like very very like the picture you showed me they were on top of the humvee firing the 50 cal with the butterfly trigger that's cool but the, i mean i've done that a million times and by the way when you have to carry all of the replaceable uh barrels for the 50 cal which weigh you know they're just pure steel your romantic romantic ideas about the weapons go away pretty quickly because they're fucking heavy and you have to hump that shit everywhere. It sucks. So, and I was always the guy with the mortars who had to carry like the base plate and shit like that. So, um, so I'm not into that. We'd go indoor. We'd go indoor. Indoor ranges. They're smaller. What they okay, do is you when eat, you can you eat while you shoot because I got to imagine having like be, eating beef while you shoot things is probably a man sandwich, Luke. I have not been to a range that allows that. Uh, usually food consumption would not be a thing you want to do. But what you do is you rent like a booth and uh, you pick whatever weapon you want and uh, you go and you get your target. And target can be like concentric circles. I have been to some places that were like, you know, had Bin Laden. You could take Bin Laden off the wall, you know, whatever. 
and then whatever can silhouette you, you, you play, want, you attach can you play it. Pie, you run, can you play pie punch co-host there? Do they have that option? Yeah. You run it, you run it back, and then you can fire whatever, how much. You have to buy the amount of rounds that you want to shoot, you know, as well, which can get expensive. But uh, And then you just bring it forward, and you can see how you shot and stuff like that. Very basic, very fun. There's a range safety officer there the whole time. It's cool. All right. Uh, I'd be willing to try under the auspices of the, the donkeymentary, BC and DC, which... Luke, we you know it's very it's rare, right? That that uh, that sequels can outdo you know the first one in terms of you know commercial success. But how about critical, right? It's you know we're talking about Godfather Two and Empire Strikes Back, right? Um, well, we've already done that with the MK Donk Two Point uh, I would have to believe BC and DC would be a an advanced sellout, Luke. It'd be the 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 amount of anticipation for this would be through the roof, Luke. It might even get you excited about this project. It might. If you come to D.C. and you come to the firing range, I'll be all in. I'll be all in. And we're going to lift in my front yard. All, all the shit you hate, we're going to do. We're okay. going to do. Okay. And then maybe we'll cap it off with a tattoo in Richmond. How about that? Do you want to have a two-man insurrection anywhere? <laughs> no, I don't, those don't turn out too well for people, I've noticed. They go badly. <laughs> they go real badly. Right. I'll skip that. Uh, okay, have you seen anything for odds and ends? I don't think we had anything tremendous for odds and ends. <clears throat> uh, no, no. How about Alessio Di Carico versus Roman Deledzi, the the uh, Georgian guy? Dick Rico, added to the yeah. UFC event on June 5th. Yeah, I'm in on that. I'm a big Dick Rico fan, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> he got mad at the media last time. He did. He got very upset. It was a good win, though, for him. Okay, BC, we have to wrap things up here. Um, yeah, I think what do you want to say about last week? Anything you want to, anybody you want to thank? Anything you want to say? You know, I think I said what needed to be said during our streams, but I, I did want to thank you know all of our great fans for consuming that much content. It was a big week for what we do here on MK and Showtime and the launch of Bellator, of course. And, uh, it, you know, I had a lot of fun, Luke, blowing that shit out. And obviously, uh, we also recorded a preview show. Uh, from from the nice restaurant there that people can check on YouTube right now under the uh, show Showtime Sports Channel, the Road to Bellator Light Heavyweight Grand Prix, which is sort of an extension of the work that we did uh, ahead of the launch of these cards. But uh, I had so much fun last week. The proximity, Luke, the passion, the chemistry. Um, you know, doing these zooms, it's just you know, it's, it's it feels like a long distance relationship right now, Luke. It feels like a like a like a chore, like a hassle, Luke. Okay, <laughs> so if, you know if I'm extra cringy or non performative in the next few shows, you know, uh, I know I have a vacation coming up, so that will give me a chance to recharge. But uh, Luke, you may have to move north because if you this show has potential to take over the world. I don't want to move north, but I have to tell you, after doing all those shows last week. It's like the first time you get back in studio, you're like, oh, well, of course, that'll be great because you haven't been in the studio. And the second time you get back, we get back for like the McGregor one. You're like, okay, but maybe it's just the McGregor thing. Now we got back for you know the, the debut of Bellator and Showtime. And it's like, dude, every time we get back in that studio, it's just a complete. This is this is MK, but that that's MK. The thing in the studio is MK. This is the best we could. I mean, we're lucky to have this, to be clear. But Is it um, the equivalent, Luke, of when... You're a kid, and your mom and dad take you on vacation to the lake house, and you overhear them going, you know what? We long for this place all year. We work hard. We just can't wait to get to this place. Why don't we just move here, right? Why don't we just live on the water every single day? I'll quit my job, whatever it takes. You want me to sell hot dogs on the street to make ends meet? What if we woke up to this paradise 
every single day and felt this way, right? You ever, what, you, one day, Luke, you're going to have to look into my eyes and come to terms with, with that decision, you know? Are you going to, are you going to risk it all and move to the lake house with me, Luke? I might. I might. Because um, that was great. I want to thank all the fans who, and the viewers who took all that stuff in, and people in the podcast as well. I don't want to forget them who listen on the podcast. Uh, I thought last week was, a, we got a lot done. Um, and some more stuff is coming, so I'm pretty excited about how everything turned out, and I was glad to get together. Um, all right, if you want to try Showtime, you can. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If uh, not, you can pound sand. And if you want to take that plunge, you can go to Show.com slash BellatorMMA, four ninety nine a month for just the next six months. You can follow us on social media uh, everywhere. It's going to be called Morning Combat, same name in every place you go, but as you can see, me and BC, slightly different names, between Twitter and Instagram there. You want to email the show Wednesday. We will do fan submissions. Friday, dead wrong, I think. We'll see how that goes. But certainly for fan submissions, morningcombat at gmail.com for Wednesday's show. BC, anything else? Uh, just shout out our unsung heroes. A uh, guy named the, the drunken... Uh Swan guy sending me, have you seen this shit clips every single day? There's a lot of, there's a legion of guys who do stuff like that. A lot of people go into making this show great from behind the scenes staff to our, to our hardcore of hardcore viewers. And uh, we love you all. So thank you. The, uh, I can't stress it enough. You're going to be wearing our merch, our new merch soon. And you're a part of this journey as we get there, as we take over the world, as we shut up all the uh, pretenders, Luke. Okay. All right. As we just shut them the hell up and you know, soon one day that beggars will be choosers. We will be the voice of record in this space, Luke, okay? I believe that. I believe that. We're on our way. Um, all right, so thanks to Malka. Thanks to CBS Sports. Thanks to everyone out there who watched. And then, uh, yeah, we're back on Wednesday. Thumbs up on the video. Hit subscribe. Appreciate everyone's participation today. And until next time, may all of your gains be loyal. <laughs>